Well, good morning, church. Welcome back. Always good to have you back to worship God with us here every Sunday. And I take it that uh, you guys here are on our second service and you have been consistently at our second service, right? Or some of you have kind of switched camera already. Well, anyway, regardless of, we are just one church and so good to have you back worshipping with us. Uh, today we have uh, a great group of people here who we call the whole family, all right? Whole family, we just kindly just raise your hand at least to us. Okay. Uh, we are glad to have uh, uh, Peter Ho and his wife Julia. Uh, they actually, Peter is actually the architect who actually designed and built these two buildings here. And it's just amazing. When we first met him, uh, he said he had never designed a church before, wasn't a Christian. But this is like 20 odd years ago, and since then, has given his life to Christ, attends FGA, and both of them. Uh, husband and wife, they served at the children's church. Amazing, isn't it? What God can do with a life. There's no telling because God is still in the business of saving lives. Amen. All right. And we are here this morning just listening to this message, enjoying this service. We want you to know that God has a plan for your life and Jesus loves you. Amen. Uh, they are here also because they are related to our speaker. All right, uh, Pastor Dato, Dr. Daniel Ho. Wow, I need two breaths to say that. <laughs> and a uh, good friend, I got to know him very recently because of Helen, because of a relationship. Uh, I told all my pastor's friends, you guys are all hopeless. For years, I've been trying to connect with Pastor Daniel Ho. None of them could get me close to him. And the next thing I know, in the last two years or so, uh, we realized that Helen and the whole family are related to Pastor Daniel. And next thing I know, I had a meeting with him, dinner, and then here he is. No, we have got friends in high places. Amen. And so it's just a joy to have Pastor Daniel Ho come. Uh, he is the founding pastor, uh, founding senior pastor of Damansara Utama Methodist Church. In short, it's D-U-M-C. And in his words, many years ago, when I heard him in a cell conference, DUMC also stands for Don't Underestimate Methodist Church. <laughs> All right? Uh, Pioneer work in 1980 with just a group of people. Today, as Jesus has been true to his word, that he will build his church, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The ministers of 4,000 people. And you know, God has been so good, handed the leadership, senior pastor leadership to Pastor Christopher, and now he's the founding senior pastor, and I'm picking his brains in, in regards to the future of Agape. And so it's really a joy to have someone like that who speaks in some six continents, 30 countries, to have him come and speak to us. So won't you help me welcome Pastor Daniel Ho. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Ben, for your very, very kind words. You know what? I paid him to tell you all the nice things about me. <laughs> Shows how much I paid my friend. So I want to see whether it's worth what I paid him and all this morning. Uh, good morning, brothers and sisters. All right? So good to see you. I'll say to your neighbor, you look so good this morning. Would you do that? Okay? Uh, but also, say to the person on your right, say to the person on your right, I'm blessed to be sitting next to you. Say to your person on your left, it's your privilege to sit next to me. Would you do that? Okay? Yeah, right, okay. 
Yeah. It's so good really to be back here at Gagpe. I first preached here in 1988. How many were around? Can I see your hands? When Pastor Lawrence School was a senior pastor, how many were around? Oh, my goodness. There are a few from Jurassic Park age who are here. God bless you. Wow, my goodness. Okay, some of you are too young to belong to Jurassic Park. Okay, hey, you're in church, cannot tell lies, you know. Okay, but so good to be with you all here. That's great. That's wonderful, wonderful indeed. I want to thank, okay, Pastor Ben for his kind invitation. All right, uh, to speak. Now, how many of you, the last number of days, you've been really concerned about Malaysia? See your hands, okay? If your hand is not up, you're not Malaysian or true, true Malaysian, isn't it? Friends, can I say, that's why it's so exciting to live in Malaysia. Hello, living Australia, New Zealand, England, America, wherever else, you know, every day so predictable, every day same, same. Whereas in Malaysia, okay, there is not a dull day. Hello? That's why it's so good to live in Malaysia. And in fact, for the last over 40 years now, every year I go around the world, I chase Malaysians to come home. Really, seriously. 41 years I've been doing this now. I ask them three questions every Malaysian I meet. Firstly, are you a Malaysian? Yes, sir. Secondly, are you a Christian? Yes, sir. Third question, are you a good Malaysian Christian? Yes, sir. Get home. Not so good and stay back here. No, 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 not true. <laughs> not true. Yeah, really. Malaysia is such a wonderful country to live in. Hello? Really, you know? Anytime, anytime, okay, any day, you want food, it's all available. Daytime, nighttime, whatever time, isn't it? And in Malaysia, you don't worry about the clothing you wear, isn't it? In the West, you have summer wear, winter wear, spring wear, autumn wear. Isn't it? In Malaysia, one wear, same wear, cheap wear. <laughs> so good, isn't it? You cannot ask for something better. Hello, can I hear that, isn't it? Just amazing, amazing country to live in, isn't it? Now, I'm going to speak this morning about three crucial issues of life, which is, I think, so, so important uh, for us, okay? And this is taken from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 to 8 from uh, the Bible. Very important passage of Scripture written by a man who is dying. And as you know, words from a dying man are very important, Amen. Because it may contain a will for your possession, inheritance, everything. Amen, isn't it? And so here's Apostle Paul giving us last words, which I trust will be helpful to all of us. So in UMC, where I come from, as Pastor Ben has introduced, what happens whenever Bible verses are projected on the screen, I get everybody to read aloud me together. You know how I do that? Because sometimes it's the only time they read the Bible in a whole week. Okay, say to your neighbor, he's not talking about you. Lah. Hello? Okay, I know agape people cannot wait to read and dying to read the Bible. Can you good amen for that? So why don't we stand and, okay, read now, strongest, loudest, strongest agape voices together. Okay, all right, two before, verses six to eight from the NIV, which is a never incorrect version of the Bible. Okay, right, together. One, two, three, let's go. For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Father, we ask you, we have a spirit, take your word, speak to us and challenge us. And draw us, Father, we pray this day, O God, in response, in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Would you take our seats? Amen. Well, once there was a farmer who brought his buffalo to town. And this farmer said to the people in the town, I would like to present this buffalo of mine to any one of you who can fulfill three wishes of mine. Well, everybody was really excited and possess a strong, sleek buffalo. Well, said the farmer firstly, I want you to make my buffalo cry. Well, people pinch the buffalo, kick the buffalo, kick the buffalo, the buffalo did not cry at all. 
the pastor of the town came around and said, Pastor, could I try? Of course you may, sir. And the pastor went and he ate a buffalo, whispers and he ate a buffalo, and the buffalo cried and cried. Well, secondly, said the farmer, I wanted to make my buffalo laugh. Well, people tickle the buffalo, swing and dance, make monkey faces. The buffalo did not laugh at all. And then the pastor said, could I try again? Of course you may, sir. And the pastor went and ate a buffalo, whispered something ear the buffalo, and the buffalo laughed and laughed and laughed like crazy. Well, this is amazing. Well, said thirdly, the farmer, I want to make my buffalo run. People push the buffalo, drag the buffalo. The buffalo did not move a single inch. The pastor said, can I try one last time? Of course you may, sir. And the pastor went and ate a buffalo, whispered something ear the buffalo, and the buffalo bolted off. Well, this is amazing, said the farmer to the pastor. I want you to know what you did to my buffalo. All right, before I hand my wonderful sleek buffalo to you, well, said the pastor, firstly, I'll tell the buffalo how hard I work as a pastor. I suppose the buffalo took pity upon me and started to cry and cry and cry. Secondly, I told the buffalo how much salary I'm paid every month as a pastor. I suppose the buffalo thought, my goodness, this pastor works so hard, how can he be paid so little? Even the buffalo don't believe and laugh and laugh and laugh like crazy. Thirdly, I told the buffalo, now you only be a pastor. And the buffalo bolted off. How many want to be pastors? Can I see your hands? Oh, my goodness. Okay, only one here in front. Okay, Pastor Ben, you're in trouble. Your church, nobody wants to be a pastor. You know, I love being a pastor. That's why I give my engineering over 30 years to be a pastor. Because as a pastor, I get to meet some of the nicest people in the whole world. Say to your neighbor, he's talking about you. Okay, really. Because had I, had I remained as an engineer, I wouldn't get to travel like this. Okay, all, over, all across the world, preaching some 40 countries in all six continents. What a joy, what a delight, isn't it? Okay, to connect with one another like this, which is, I think, so important. See, as we journey and go through life, of course, I can talk about Malaysia, what's happened in Malaysia and to Malaysia, but I refrain from talking that. Oh, God, it's fantastic, exciting, just come from Kuching, all right, speaking to uh, people there in the city to talk about it. But friends, you know, in all of us in our lives, there are three crucial issues that is important that Apostle Paul highlights for us okay, today. What are the three important things you and I are going to take note of from the last words of a dying man? The first thing about life that he talks about is that life is firstly a fight. Really, your life, my life is a fight. Why Paul writes like this to all of us, Paul says in verse 7, 2 Timothy chapter 4, I fought a good fight. This life is a fight. But we must know what we're fighting for, what we're fighting against, isn't it? It's so important because otherwise we can end up being involved in a wrong fight altogether. All right? It is so important, friends, to make sure we're involved in a good fight and not a bad one. Isn't it? How can we be involved sometimes in a bad one? Give you an example. 25 years ago, I was conducting a funeral in Subang Jaya, all right, in that part, okay, of uh, PJ Slango. 25 years ago of a senior lady who has passed away. Halfway to the service as I was speaking, two young girls, 14, 15 years old at that time, stood up and then they left the funeral service. I thought they probably go to the toilet and will come back, but never to return. I was really concerned at the end to want to find out what happened. You know what happens when I checked? Found out these two girls at that time, they received a small little note, right, from the father. This was pre-handphone days, as we know. And a small little note ordered them both to leave the funeral service and not to carry on the funeral service. You see, friends, that note comes from the father. Noting the father himself refused to come to the mother's funeral. 
would not even allow his daughters, granddaughters, to attend the funeral service. This is what I mean, friends. We can be involved in a bad fight, isn't it? Imagine this man willing to fight the mother to her grave. What a tragedy. How sad can it be, isn't it? Maybe find your mother might have hurt you, but so what? Not very smart, isn't it? Willing to really fight her so that she carry the wounds and pains of her heart to the grave. What for? What do we get out from it? Isn't nothing whatsoever, really. All right, there must surely be a place of forgiveness, especially for us as Christians. Can you hear me for that? So important because Jesus says as part of the Lord's Prayer, Father, forgive me of my sins as I forgive those who sin against me. There surely must be a place for that, isn't it? Now think about it, friends. These two girls today, they're 39 and 40 years old. What would they think of their father? What would they think of their father? They would probably say, not very smart, isn't it, my dad? Our dad? Not smart, isn't it? But worse too, you know, friends, worse too, I fear for him. Because if you do this to your mom, it might eventually come back and hit you. What a tragedy, isn't it? How sad can it be fighting a bad one instead of a good one? But friends, you know, also sometimes we can be involved in a wrong fight rather than the right one as well. In what we become involved in the wrong fight, sometimes fighting one another, isn't it? Amongst brothers and sisters. So sometimes you notice two brothers don't talk to each other, two sisters don't talk to each uncle, auntie don't talk to each other, isn't it? And sometimes it's passed on from generation to generation that the parents will tell their children have nothing to do with that uncle. Don't even bother to call that uncle. How sad can you get, isn't it? Families are broken, okay, shattered like this, okay? Right now. How many of you, you love Jackie Chan and Kung Fu movies? Can I see your hands? How many of you, you love Jackie Chan Kung Fu movies? Hey, you Chinese, how can you don't put up your hands? We're going to pray for you. You know, I, I preach in Moscow, okay, in Russia, in this great church of over 5,000 people. I said to these people, how many heard of Jackie Chan and love Jackie Chan movies? All the hands went up. I was preaching in Sao Paulo in Brazil, in a church of over 5,000. How many heard of Jackie Chan? All the 5,000 hands went up. Friends, you know, even Russians and Brazilians love Jackie Chan. How can we Malaysians not love Jackie Chan? Hello, are you there? And you and I know, friends, in Chinese Kung Fu sword fighting films, there is pao chowing taking place all the time. Revenge taking place. You touch me, if you cannot take care of what do I do? I bring my brothers to take care of you. And if my brothers who cannot take care of what I do, I bring my uncles to take care of you. Right now. So constant pao chowing, constant revenge are taking place. And that's why in the Chinese culture, sadly, there is no place for forgiveness for Yuan Liang. You touch me, I will handle you nicely. What a tragedy, isn't it? But friends, as Christians, we should know better and all God's people say, okay, not very convincing, amen. As God's people, we should know better all God's people say, okay, you're louder, amen, my preaching gets better and better. Okay, isn't it? It's so important, isn't it? All right, we can be involved in a wrong fight, one another. Sometimes even among church members, they fight one another. If one sits there, their guy must sit over there so they never, never meet at all. Sometimes, you know, church members fight against a pastor. No wonder the pastor, like a shepherd, has a need a staff to ward off biting sheep, isn't it? And sometimes the pastor fights the church members. It's tragedy when things like this happen. Nobody wins. It's a devil that wins. In fact, the devil sometimes Many times, once it's been conflicted, so that we've got no more energy left to touch the world outside. We are here for the world. Can you good amen for that? 
so important, isn't it? So friends, you and I must know what should we be fighting against when we're involved in a good fight. We should be fighting against our flesh that wants us to compromise again and again, isn't it? We should be fighting against the world that also wants us to be involved in all kinds of crop, okay, uh, activities. And we should be fighting ultimately at the end against Satan, the devil, that wants to keep as many people away from heaven as possible, isn't it? That should be what we should be fighting, not one another. Can I good amen for that? So friends, life is a fight. Make sure you're involved in a good one, not a bad one or the wrong one, isn't it? The second thing about life that Paul tells us, the second F, is that life is about finishing. Why? Because Paul tells us like this, okay, in verse 7 again, I fought the good fight, I have finished the race. You know, friends, this life of ours is a race, you know that? And every one of us is given a chance, one chance in a lifetime, this race of life. We can either run well or we can mess it up. And we're going to make sure that we run this race, we finish it, we finish well. Amen, isn't it? How many of you remember Mexico City Olympic Games? Can I see your hands? Mexico City Olympic Games. Okay, all right. Who are you? Pastor Ben. People here are not interested in sports one. Oh, it looks like you're interested in books and more books. Am I right? All you young people, right? No, no interest in sports and games. No, that's only for those who are backsliders. For us, very serious agape. We're concerned only solid stuff like that. Okay. By the way, Mexico City Olympic Games took place in 1968. So if your hand is up, it betrays your age, isn't it? Right, 1968, that shows how long ago okay, it was, isn't it? And friends, you know, in, in the marathon race in Mexico City Olympic Games, okay, it took place in 1968, there's one man by the name of John Stephens Aquari. And John Stephens Aquari from Tanzania, right, it, he was touted to win either the gold, silver, or a bronze. Because he himself won African marathons, all right? And if you won African marathons, you are, okay, top of the pile, isn't it? Okay, a marathon run. And we all know, Africans are very good marathon runners. Amen. You know why? Because the, the legs are thin and spiny and pop, 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 and just one off. You know why Chinese are bad marathon runners? Because our legs are too fat and too short. That's why we are bad marathon runners. Okay? But Africans are amazing. And so, marathon race in every Olympics is only one time. That's all. Okay? And so they got together, okay, and on a mark, except bang, it goes. And John Stephens Aquarius from Tanzania was one of those people think probably win a medal, whatever four men. But friends, you know, marathon race is not only how good your stamina is. Marathon race is a race of strategy. Anyone ever run marathon race before? Can I see your hands? Oh, okay, Pastor George, quack, well done. Wow, marathon race, I'm impressed indeed. You know, marathon runners will tell you they hit the wall. Okay, the wall is at a 30-kilometer mark, okay? That's when you hit the wall. Why? Because when you hit the 30-kilometer mark, which is a 42-kilometer race, by the way, when you hit the 30-kilometer, you feel every part of your body wants to give up. Your muscles, your body, every part, all tied, really weird, weary. There's one last bit, okay, that tells you to give up your mind. Your mind will tell you, you are a fool. Why run for a small little piece of plastic or metal or a T-shirt only? You must be a fool. If you don't beat, beat your mind, that's the end of the race, really. Okay? And so the, it's, a, it's a race of strategy as well. And what happens, marathon runners will tell you, about 14, 15 kilometer mark. That's when you take a position and then you go for the last bit. And the 14, 15 kilometer mark, as your runners were taking, okay, their position, John Stephens Aquari was pushed and he fell deep, badly, sprained his shoulder, his ankle, all right? And there lying on the floor, 
runner after runner passed him by. That was the end of his metal hopes. Struggled to get up, hobbled in pain, okay? Tried to run, stop, tried to run and stop. He pressed on. And then what happens? He came all the way back. And as we all know, in marathon races, there were always police outriders accompanying all this to make sure everybody comes back safely. So there was a police outrider accompanying him. And as he came back towards the stadium, right? What if the lights have come down? Most people left the stadium. Suddenly the lights came on because the police outright radioed, okay? Okay, the control, right? Folks there and say, someone is coming in. People, few people left were shocked. They all stood and said, what is happening? In came John Stephens of Quarry, okay? And when people start clapping and cheering, he picked up speed and ran all the way, breasted the tape. When he breasted the tape, television journalists interviewed him. Mr. Quarry, why did you still run when the winner has won more than an hour earlier? And John Stephens of Quarry said this, my country, Tanzania, did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race. My country, Tanzania, sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. Life is a race. We're going to make sure we finish the race. And all God's people say, it is not how we start and how will we start. It is how we finish. Amen. Some of us are blessed by God. We come from wonderful families. All right. Things are really, okay, wonderful. Much love and care and support. We are blessed by God. We have started well. But some of us, as it were, come from broken families, very dysfunctional families. Friends, can I encourage you to say, coming from broken, dysfunctional families don't have to mean you cannot finish well. Amen. God is a God of grace. I preached in this church just last Sunday down south in Johor Bahru, okay? And I had no idea about the senior pastor when I preached because I shared a story. And not only at the end, what happens is I was told the senior pastor himself also had the same problem, okay? Before as well, he was a drug addict, he was in prison. I have no idea until I quoted an example. He's really doing well in the work of God. He's really moving on and impacting lives. I'm so glad to see, friends. Not starting well does not have to disqualify us not finishing well. Amen. And so therefore, friends, it is so important. All right? This life of ours is a race. How can we make sure we finish this race of life well? What are the things you and I must guard to make sure that we don't get tripped over all right, and don't finish well? Okay? What I say, maybe the six Ps you and I must guard is to make sure that we, in this race of life, we all finish well by the grace of God. Then a good amen for that. What are the six Ps, okay? You are Emma's God. The first P, friends, in the whole area of power. Power that God has given to us, all right? Sometimes we misuse the power God has given to us or power entrusted to us. Like maybe CEO of a company misuse his power. Same. Sometimes political leaders of a nation misuse his power, misuse her power. Same. It could be wherever we are. Sometimes misuse, head of department misusing his power. It sometimes could be a family whereby the man misuses his power as a husband in the family, or as a father in the family. There are so many ways we can misuse our power, isn't it? That you and I need to go to God. Sometimes in a church as well, we can misuse our power. A church leaders, sometimes even parts of a church, isn't it? That's what you and I need to guard, isn't it? Here the Bible tells us, how this man, this great king, the greatest of all kings of Israel, King David, how he misused his power. Here, friends, in 2 Samuel chapter 11, all right, the context is this of King David. Instead of joining his army out there in fighting, he was having his siesta one afternoon, and he looked across. My goodness, he saw a lovely woman taking a bath. Okay, and what happens? 
David, in the process, committed adultery with her. Okay? And after what happens? Okay? Bathsheba WhatsApp David. Hey, my friend, I'm pregnant. Oh, David, chamla, chamla, chamla. What do I do now? I'm in trouble now. You know what David did? He concocted a plan. Like sometimes politicians do as well when they're in trouble. Isn't what did David do? David called back the husband Bathsheba, Uriah, in the front line fight, fighting. Called him back, hoping that Uriah will sleep with the wife that night. Then he thinks his adulterous relationship is covered up. No problem, isn't it? But you know what? Uriah, the husband, is like a good Malaysian honor soldier. We refuse to sleep with the wife that night. Or oh, David next one be tahan, can't stand, tahan. Right? The next morning got him drunk, hoping that in his drunken state now he'll sleep with the wife. Right? Uriah still refused to sleep with the wife. My goodness, I got to do something now. What did David do? Now, in this case here, let's read together. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses 14 and 15 come together. In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent him Uriah. In it, he wrote, Build Uriah in a front line for the fighting is fiercest. Then we draw from him, so be struck down and die. Imagine, friends, you carrying a note and you have no idea what that note is, which is about your death sentence. And he handed the note over to Joab, the commander-in-chief of David's army, who has no idea why he has to put Uriah at the front line where the fighting is fiercest, then everybody withdraws so that he could shut down and die. But Sheba probably has no idea David's concoction in this regard as to what is going to happen to the husband. I believe probably Samuel did not know as well, but the only person who knew in the midst of all of this, only David himself. And yet, friends, you know what? This whole thing got recorded in the Bible. You know why it got recorded? Because I believe God wants to make sure this gets recorded, right? To teach us, instruct us, remind us, and warn all of us. Hello, are you there? They don't repeat the same mistakes. You see, friends, there are tons of broken noses in the Bible. People who make a mess of themselves make all kinds of mistakes, friends. Let's learn from all these broken noses and keep our one and single only nice nose. No, oh, amen. Isn't it? That's why, friends, can I say, this book is the greatest book of all books in the whole world. Better than any book you can get. Whether it's politics, management, science, you name it, it's all here, friends, in this book, really. That's why I use it to teach in the corporate world. I'm not into this as a pastor when I teach in a corporate, but I use this, all right? Without telling it, it's actually from here. So much wisdom from this book. Can you good amen for that, isn't it? So here's an example to remind us, folks, don't misuse the power. And it can happen to anyone, including Christians and Christian leaders, amen? Be warned uh, about it, which is, I think, so important. The second P you, I need to be all right, warned about is a holy position, all right? Abusing our position as much as misusing our power, isn't it? All right, the position that we have been given. What is the purpose of the position we've been given? Is there to serve people? Is there to lift up people and not to thumb down people, isn't it? Sometimes people is a position to push people down, to dominate them, all right? Which is really crazy. We see these friends likewise in the Bible. In 1 Kings chapter 12 here, the account is of King Rehoboam. This young king has just succeeded his father, King Solomon. And what happens is when succeeded the father, all the people of Israel came before this king and said, O king, would you treat us better than your father? You see, Solomon started well, very well indeed. But sadly, what happens is that he became oppressive, wicked and cruel, tragically at the end, isn't it? And so now, the people of God 
came together and said, Rehoboam, would you treat us better than your father? All right? And this is a record for us. What did Rehoboam say? Okay, to the people of Israel. Come, let's read together. 1 Kings 12, verses 5 to 7. Come together. Rehoboam answered, Go away for three days and then come back to me. So the people went away. Then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who served his father Solomon during his lifetime. How would you advise me to answer these people, he asked. They replied, If today you will be a servant to these people and serve them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. If you serve them, they will serve you. You know what happens, friends? Instead of listening to the advice of the father's advisors, he went now to consult his own chikus, his own kakia, those who grew up with him. What do you say, all right, about this? You know what his own kakia and chikus and kaki said to him? Your father is hard. You must even be harder. Your father uses uh, use a whip. You must, use, you must use a scorpion. It's all there, friends. Read on. 1 Kings 12. Go back and read it and see. It's all there. What happens when a people of God finally came before King Rehoboam? That was the beginning of the end of the United Kingdom of Israel. The whole kingdom fell apart. Ten tribes seceded from it. Only two tribes remained. That's a tragedy, isn't it? That the position that God has given him is meant to serve people and lift people and not thumb and push people down. Okay, good amen for that, isn't it? And when we misuse that position, friends, out there in a marketplace, in a corporate world, misusing the power, misusing the position, right, as CEOs of companies or as, as just uh, middle managers at whatever level, misusing a power position at home, in church, wherever. It's so sad, isn't it? We don't finish well as a result, isn't it? We can have all the money, but friends, we've got terrible reputation. What for? Hello, isn't it so, so important for us? A third P, you and I need to guard, is a whole area of pride, isn't it? Now, here the Bible tells us about this great king, Uzziah. Now, Uzziah is not a bad king. He's a very good king, actually. But what does it say about Uzziah here? 2 Chronicles 26 and verse 16. Come, let's read together. After Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on an altar of incense. When he became powerful, really accomplished, what happens? Pride took over. And friends, can I say, sometimes we are good and very good in our profession. Just watch out. We are the best doctor in town, the best doctor in the country, or best dentist, architect, okay, accountant, whatever, including the best pastor or the greatest preacher. Just watch out. Why? Because pride can take over. You know, for example, maybe a doctor, a great doctor. Sometimes you're not careful what happens. We become impatient with our staff. How come so slow? Sometimes we scream and shout at them. Can't you be quicker? Can't you be faster? We're very demanding, very pushy. What happened? We don't carry a good reputation. Hello, are you there, isn't it? And this is where, friends, you and I, we all go to God, go to watch out. When we are very good, very smart, very clever, we tend to look down at people. We tend to push people aside. It's saying we have no place for them whatsoever. What a tragedy, isn't it? That's not a good way of ending in our lives like this. is that you and I must guard, therefore like this. Isn't it? All right, so third Peter, guard instead of pride. Isn't it? If God has blessed us with a smart student, just be careful. Don't be consumed with ourselves, with pride, isn't it? 
That's why Mother Teresa, this wonderful quote for all of us, Mother Teresa says this, if you, any one of us, anywhere in the world, whatever ethnic, social, religious backgrounds that we come from, if anyone in the world would be asked, who would be a great example of humility in the whole world? Most people probably say Mother Teresa. Amen, isn't it? Yeah, it's an amazing lady, okay? And she has this quote. She says, if you're humble, nothing can touch you. Neither praise nor disgrace because you know who you are. Sorry, because you know what you are. Not who you are, but what you are. What are we? We are just very ordinary people with feet of clay. Hello? If you're good and very good, it's because of the grace of God, not about us, isn't it? If you pass a fantastic church, our friends of mine pastoring churches more than 100,000. Amazing, an amazing man of God. And if we're blessed like this, it's all because of God, not because of us, isn't it? So, what are we? We are people, feet of clay, very ordinary people. So that if you're good and very good, it's all God's grace. Amen? That's why, friends, you know, okay, if you're humble, nothing can touch you. Neither praise, because why? We will not become big-headed, become sombong. Neither disgrace, because it will not destroy us, because we're very ordinary people. It's okay. Hello, are you there? Isn't it so important for us to live our lives? Sometimes we're not given the credit even though we do all the work. So what? It's okay. You know what I mean? Hello, are you there? It's name. It is like this lady, actually New York. She did a terrible mess in a company. Big company. A terrible mess. And uh, she knew she was in big trouble. And each event, eventually when the news went out right to the top, she knew she's finished. Her career, everything is over. But you know what? Her immediate boss went to see the CEO and said to the boss, you know what, sir, what she has created, the problem she has created, boss, you know what, I take responsibility. I take risk as her boss. The CEO was shocked. It's her problem. Why do you take responsibility? And then eventually when he came down and talked to her, she knew that's the end of it. Finish off. Curie is all over. You know? And then she found out that she... The boss told the big boss that he's responsible for the nonsense she created and committed. She said, boss, why do you do that? He said, no, 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 because I'm a boss, I take... Why do you do that? You know, in the past, whatever, all the good things I did, my boss takes credit. And all the bad things I did, my... Okay, I'm condemned for that. But you are very unusual. The wrong things I did, you take responsibility. And she probed and probed and refused to say probe and probe and probe. You know what happens? Finally, he said, actually, since you pushed me so hard, let me tell you, because I'm a Christian. That's how she ended up in church, called UMC. No, no, not UMC. <laughs> and the senior pastor checked and said, how come you end up here? And that's her story. Because this immediate boss of mine comes to this church. I'm so touched, so moved. In the past, all the good things I did, I never get credited. I only get blamed and condemned for the wrongs I do. But here's this man, for all the wrongs I did, he took responsibility. It's amazing, this kind of man, who has got such integrity and credibility and patience and love and stickability, who believe in his staff under him. Friends, are you there? Isn't it so, so important for us to live our lives, isn't it? If God has blessed us and make us very good, just keep humble. Is it okay? Right now, so important because the Bible tells us Pride goes before a fall. That comes from the Bible, by the way. It's saying, all right, the fourth P, your M must guard this whole area of the purse. All right, what do we put in the purse, by the way? Okay, 
your boss's photograph, is it? <laughs> like this lady, she puts in her purse her husband's photograph, okay? And whenever she meets a real challenge, she takes up her purse, open up, look at the husband's photograph and say, no challenge can be bigger than this challenge. <laughs> don't do that. There'll be no lunch, no dinner, no breakfast for you the next two days. <laughs> right now. Okay. What do we put in the purse? Of course, money is Hello, are you there? Isn't it? You notice what happens, friends? You and I need to be accountable in the handling of monies. You know that? They're the corporate world. Every single cent is accounted for. Okay? They're in our home. They're in church. Everywhere. Every single cent is accounted for. And it's so important, isn't it? What for? Sometimes in our work, we're entitled to claims in our work. With regards to our travel, our hotel stay, whatever. What for claim a few thousand dollars extra when we know it is not legitimate claims? What for? Isn't it? What's the point? Sometimes nobody knows. Only you know. But friends, we've forgotten. There's one other person who knows. God Almighty. He's watching us all the time. So sometimes when we go overseas, sometimes we say, nobody knows me. I can do anything I like. Go anywhere I want. Spend time with wherever I want. Watch wherever, whatever I like. Nobody knows. Here, I'm a total stranger. Not smart when we think like that, isn't it? Why? Because... Because nobody is watching. God is watching. They will be living a dichotomous life, dichot okay, dichotomizing between the spiritual and secular. Every part of us should be, okay, a real oneness and unity can of God's people, isn't it? So important for us not dichotomizing our life whatsoever, isn't it? All right? And that's why, friends, this verse of Scripture is so refreshing for us. 2 Kings chapter 12, verse 15. Come, let's read together. They did not require an accounting from those to whom they gave the money to pay the workers because they acted with complete honesty. Complete honesty. No accounting is needed. But we still need accountants today. Lah. Hello, isn't it? But it's amazing. Absolute transparency. Every single cent is accounted for, isn't it? What is the problem? Very oftentimes with human beings, I've said the heart of the problem is a problem of the heart. It's here, not out there. It's here. Okay, let's read scripture and see. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2, although it's addressed to church leaders, it's applicable across the board for all of us. What does it tell us? Come, let's read together. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be. Not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Not greedy for money. Friends, the problem is here, not out there. Not, be, not because people give you, because you're greedy to want. And that's the reason why you become easy target. You become mincemeat for people around the world like this, isn't it? And that's why, friends, God here, isn't it? All right, about monies. Every single cent accounted for. And it's so important it's for you and I, isn't it? Because the Bible also tells us, Jesus tells us, if we're faithful in little, we shall be faithful in much. Isn't it? So everything starts small. So therefore, friends, are we accountable in the handlings of a few dollars we've got? Because if not, God cannot graduate us on to bigger things. You know that? Life is like this. And that's why the wisdom of Jesus and Scripture is all here that tells us about how to handle monies, how to steward resources, how to steward our life and everything else, right? about marriage, about relationships, about politics and economics, whatever. It's all here, friends, really. You know, for all of us like this. Okay? And so the fourth area to make sure to watch out for is that of the purse, money. All right? The fifth area you and I must watch out is passion. What is this passion? Passion is that Feeling for the opposite sex, uh, isn't it? 
All right, that you need to watch and draw boundaries as well, which is so, so important, isn't it, for all of us, all right? Isn't it? Sometimes, you know, a young man may come up to me, Pastor Daniel, I'm not interested in opposite sex, will never be interested in opposite sex. You know what? I get worried for the young man like that. I say, are you normal or not? Because all normal people got attractions to opposite sex, and all you agree say, oh, only 20% say yes. Hey, are you human beings or not? Hey, you in church cannot tell lies, okay? Is that right now? Okay, right now. Yeah, really seriously, right now. It's natural, it's normal, all right? That we got to draw boundaries, because if you don't, we can be tripped over, and if it can fail us, no matter how big a giant we are, isn't it? Perfect example is what, Samson, all right? Nobody can be stronger than Samson. You know what? I consider him as Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone combined into one. That's the strength of Samson, really. Let's read first, okay, before I talk more about him. Come, Judges 14, verses 1 and 2. Samson went down the Timnah and saw the young Philistine woman. When he returned, he said to his father and mother, I've seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. And 16, verses 1 and 4. One day, Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. He went in to spend the night with her. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. Fantastically strong man. Every other woman he sees, he falls in love. You know how strong Samson is? The Bible tells us one instance, you know what? Samson ripped apart, okay, the gate of the city wall. You know, the gate, wooden gate, really huge, massive structure. He ripped it down, he put on his back, he climbed up the hill, and he threw over the brow of the hill. That's the strength of Samson. Now, how many of us will climb Mount Kinabalu? See your hands. How many of you? Okay, wow, so many. God bless us, young people. God bless you. Now, see, when we climb Mount Kinabalu, okay, as I did something like, what, 13 years ago, all right, and then two years ago, I climbed with my son to Mount Anarpuna, the 10th highest peak in the world. Anyone to join me next time? Okay, uh, no, not, not the peak at the top, you'll kill me. I virtual base camp, even base camp. Six days will go out, okay? When they reach there, the base camp, all snow all over. Three days will come out, okay? Come down, okay? It's crazy. The police designed all this, and we're just as crazy as the attempt, okay? Because Mount Anupuna Trail is one of the most dangerous in the world. Now, I'm going to go for it, because I know Pastor Ben is praying for me. I'll be safe and okay. <laughs> all right. And so, you and I know, see, when we climb Mount Kinabalu, what happens? We all bring our backpack along. Am I right? Hello? Is it? What do we do our backpack? We hand over to the porters, am I right? How many of you carry a backpack up? Can I see your hands? Hey, none of you are so weak when all of you are agape. Okay? All right, right now. But seriously, to carry our own body up, how difficult it is, isn't it? So we hand over to all the porters. You know what? Some of these porters, they are women. They are ladies who carry you, okay, your staff up, isn't it? And we all young people, we turn out around with chase around one another like that, okay, climb up there. You know what? Halfway through, what happens? No more energy left. We crouch there. My goodness, still so high up, more to go. How do I go? I don't know. And you notice, this, my goodness, these ladies, okay, all right, okay, uh, porter, zoom, 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 zoom. And this lady look at you, poor fella, poor fella. He takes a backpack, all the stuff down. He carries you, put it on the back, and Clive Correa carry you up. By then, friends, all your male ego all destroyed. <laughs> Seriously, is it? But friends, you know, how hard it is just to carry your own body up for Samson City Wall. Takes it up like that. Imagine, so strong. Meets a woman, he's finished. He's finished. Isn't it? 
That's why we don't draw boundaries in our relationship with over six sex. It can trip us over, even the CEO of a company. Right? Even the CEO of a company. Sometimes get involved in extramarital affairs with an office staff. Sometimes it could be middle manager, whatever it is. It could be out there. It don't have the workplace. It could be neighborhood. It sometimes, if you're not careful, even in church as well. You know that. If you don't draw boundaries, can get us into trouble. And that's why in a design, a dream center in PJ where we meet. Any of you, how many of you have been to dream center? Can I see your hands? Okay, God bless you. Keep on coming, you know, okay? Where all your dreams are come alive. That's why I call dream center. We got a cafe. I call it dream cafe. So dream center where dreams come alive. Dream cafe where food comes alive, okay? So come and join us. We sell great food, good food, inexpensive. We don't, I don't say cheap. Cheap means no standard, okay? Inexpensive, God standard, okay? Uh, really. When we have also started a coffee joint. A fantastic coffee joint, serving very good coffee. So you know what? Okay, I call it as serving better than Starbucks quality and non-Starbucks price. How many like it now? Can I see your hands? Yeah. Our cheesecake, carrot cake, one of the best in the world. Really, okay? So come, okay? You can see I'm a very good marketing agent for New MC. And so we find that what happens in the design, okay, of the whole dream center, I told the architect, okay, we, we all pastors, I think we deserve a small room each, all right? Because sometimes we need to counsel people, that kind of thing. But I told the architect in the design of all these small rooms, make sure they're glass all around. Glass all around. So I can see what they are doing. But they can also see what I'm doing because my office is glass all around as well. It's a fair and square, am I right or not? All right, it's important. So for, for, for my male pastors, when I was senior pastor, my male pastor, I tell them, if you need to counsel a girl one-on-one, you only allow once. Only allow once. After finding what a problem, refer to another lady, lady to counsel. Don't try to think you're a hero, carry on counseling her, because a hero can become a zero very soon. Amen, is We are not careful. Yeah, we've got to know human hearts, okay? It is like, for example, you may work in downtown Kuala Lumpur, in a nice, lovely, massive company, a wonderful, okay, multi-story building, all right? And you drive alone to work each day. And then in there in her office, you discover a lady, she takes a bus to work, all right, okay, uh, each day. And you found that you both come from the same housing estate in PJ. But more than that, you found that she's a Christian. And you found they both come to do MC some more. Wow. So out of a good, sincere heart, nothing, okay, uh, sinister whatsoever. You just say, why don't I give you a lift, okay, uh, each day and send you back, that kind of thing. Now, nothing wrong with that. But friends, you know what? Sometimes it can be one too many lips. Hello? If you keep on doing that, keep on doing that. Hey, things do happen. Amen? Hey, are you human beings or not? <laughs> yeah, why? Because after a while, you enjoy each other's conversation. Amara, after you, you care about it, you enjoy each, each other's company. And in the process of talking, conversing to and fro, you find she wants to play tennis. And you know what? You're a tennis coach somehow. So you tell her, what I'll give you lesson, a lesson or two. Okay? And one day, you know what? You call, you call your wife. Darling, today a lot of work, a lot of work. Why don't you and the children carry on with the work? I'll come in late at night. Later. Today she'll carry on. But you know what? 6 p.m. on the dot, you're then a tennis court. Okay? All right? Teaching her how to play tennis. And she plays tennis like 
badminton. No, 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 no. Tennis, tennis is not like that. Tennis is tennis. So you hold your arm like, lock your arm like that, like that, like, like that one, like that one. See, before you realize it, you're connected. And then as you go along, if you're not careful, there'll be unexplained disappearances. Those are real. Those things are real, friends. And so if we don't draw boundaries in our relationship, you get in trouble. I know a lady, for example, in the office, quite often when she hands the paper to a male colleague, all right, instead of taking the paper, she will, he will hold her hand. I'm so glad. She said to him, I don't appreciate it at all. You know, there are all kinds of men around. Hello? Woman also got, got or not? <laughs> okay. Wow, oh, yeah, louder, yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's why I tell married men, put on a ring. Lah. Hello? Right now. Sometimes you put three rings, also got problems. <laughs> we live in a crazy world. Right now. But friends, you know, just be sensible, draw boundaries, and make sure by God's grace, we know we need God's help in all of this. Amen, isn't it? To guard our hearts so that we don't get entangled. Okay, so that friends, we don't finish well as a result, isn't it? It reminds me of this man, Bernard Roy Cleveland Sullivan. He's a very unusual man. You know, this man, he was struck by lightning seven times. And he survived all the seven strikes. Not that he claimed, it is actually med medically proven. Once he hit his leg and his toenail came out, and then he hit his back, his back was, another time he hit his face, his eyebrows were all singed. Amazing. But he survived all that, okay, with medically proven. Any one of you, you've been hit like by lightning before, once before. Can I see your hands? Okay. If you are, I want to know how come you're still here. <laughs> but this guy, you know, he seven times has survived. That's amazing. You know, one day, he worked as an American game park ranger in the United States. He fell in love with a very charming lady. And it, oh, they developed a wonderful relationship. But you know, one day, what happens? The lady dropped him like a hot potato. Broke that really jilted. You know, he was so heartbroken. And poor guy, he was so heartbroken to extent he committed suicide. See, friends, what seven lightnings cannot do? One woman did it all. <laughs> friends, say to your neighbor, women very powerful. Would you do that? <laughs> We're living in this kind of world, isn't it? And so, friends, do <laughs> God. Firstly, Okay, make sure we don't abuse the power that's been given to us. Secondly, not, okay, misusing our position. Thirdly, the whole area of, hey, forgotten really, pride, okay, yeah. Fourthly, the purse. Fifthly, passion, okay, feelings, relationship. Okay, sixth and finally, the whole area of practices, especially later in life. You see, friends, not early in life. You see, when we are a young Christian, for example, we are faithful, we are diligent, we are devoted, we are determined. Amen? Isn't it? And so what happens? We begin to grow and grow and grow wonderfully. All right? We begin to climb new heights and wonderfully. But friends, you know, if you're not careful, if you're not careful, later on in our life, you know what happens? Sometimes we let our guards down. We become lax. Sometimes... Okay, we cut corners, we take shortcuts. Like for example, we may say, Hey, Pastor Ben, why you keep on pushing us about reading the Bible? 
I know so much of the Bible from cover to cover, enough lah. I read so many years in half la. Or sometimes, you may Pastor Ben, why you push it to a prayer meeting? Come this Wednesday night. I prayed so much, so many prayers over the years that maybe even God is tired of my prayers. Right now. Slowly, slowly, if you're not careful, we begin to rationalize like this. What happens? Slowly, slowly, what happens? Instead of going this way, we begin to stagnate, plateau. If you're not careful, all of us like this. Listen, no one should assume we'll be okay. We must be diligent and guard all this. Hello, are you there? All the way to the end. That's why it's not uncommon to see sometimes an 85-year-old man fall in love with a 25-year-old girl. Got or not? No, I know it doesn't happen in Saramba. It only happens in Guadalupe, okay? <laughs> all right. And so what happens? Perfect example in Scripture is 1 Kings 11, okay, about uh, King Solomon. What does the Bible tell us near the end of his life? Come, let's read together. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines, and his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father has been. Imagine, friends, this man who started so well, God even appeared to him twice, amen? And then God said to him, the first time God appeared to him, ask anything you want, I will give it to you. What he asked, he only asked for wisdom. That's all he asked. God was so happy with that, okay, ask of his, God blessed him, not just with wisdom, with wealth and power and all kinds of stuff, isn't it? He became really the richest man on earth, really. We talk about rich men, isn't it? Amazing. Started so well, what happens near the end of his life? 700 wives of royal birth and 300 porcupines. No, I mean concubines, I mean. <laughs> uh, poke him to death almost, isn't it? Crazy. How can a man end up like that? Must be a tired man every night. It's madness. As I say, friends, starting well. Starting well is no guarantee if you finish well. At least it's six piece you and I get to guard, isn't it? All the way to the end. I know someone came out to Pastor Daniel. How can Harvard Business School don't teach this kind of stuff? I said, don't waste your time, money to go to Harvard Business School. La. Come to the Bible. La. Or better still, come to Agape Church this morning. La. And no amen. La. Yeah, seriously. All right. Many of the business schools around cannot teach this. Really. Because you find that reality is this, that many professors themselves are not practicing what he should be. Now, I'm not saying I'm fully practicing, far from it. And that's why we only need to keep humble. As I pray for you, you pray for me also. Hey, no amen. Uh. Say amen. Encourage me. Is <laughs> that right? We all need that. All of us need that. None of us are spared. Is it okay? So, so important for us. Is it? All right? So that we press on to fulfill God's design, God's purpose. So life firstly, friends. Life firstly is about fight. A good fight. Not a bad one, the wrong one. Second, life is about finishing. Make sure we guard this so that we run this race and finish well. The third and final one, very quickly, is life is really about faith and keeping faith. Because Paul says in verse 7 again, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I have kept the faith, they say. And so therefore, it's so important, friends, for us to keep our faith all the way to the end, isn't it? Sometimes it pains my heart to see some older people, they backslided, grown cold. So sad. So very, very sad. They have not come to grips with a Christian faith that is so amazing and so wonderful. How many of you come to know Jesus, all right, become a Christian? It's the best thing that happened to you in your life. Can I see your hands? How many of you? If your hand is not up, come for Pastor Ben. We'll pray for you. Really need some prayer. Really, friends, you know, 
I came to faith in Christ as a 49 years ago when I was teaching high school in 1971, when I was struggling for meaning of life. What's the meaning? Why am I here? Where am I going? And out of that, friends, I came to faith in Christ. It radically changed and transformed me, totally changed and transformed me. Now, friends, not that I'm a bad person. I'm fairly decent looking like all of you. Amen? Hey, say something that encouraged me. Amen? <laughs> yeah, seriously. That's why I gave my angel to become a pastor. See, when you come to know Christ, friends, it shaped your mind and your thinking. It really shaped you in a way you look at the world and things in the world. And so shape you. It's just amazing to know Jesus. And that's where, friends, you find deep fulfillment, contentment of heart. Really? You really know who you are. And that's why people in the world struggle. You see, the one thing people, amongst many things, the one critical thing people in the world struggle is for identity. Who am I? Who am I? So someone asked this man, all right, who are you? Pastor, you don't know who I am? I'm a CEO of a multinational. I said, that's not my question. Second, I asked, who are you, by the way? Pastor, you know who I am? You know who I am? I'm the second richest man in the country. I said, that's not my question. Seriously. Many people can't answer as who they are. I talk, I, as you know, I mentor CEOs of companies, that kind of thing, okay? And, uh, and, and, and so, I say you, to these non-Christian CEOs, you will never know who you are until you know who he is. That's a reality. That's why, you see, people, all right, struggle with who are you. They equal themselves to their position, CEO, to the possession, second richest man, to the prestige, how many titles I have, how many degrees I have. Sometimes you've got a lot, a lot of degrees, but no temperature. What for? I say, all right, now. <laughs> all kinds of, all kinds of stuff. <laughs> and that's what we, we wrestle with. Right now. I say, no, no, no. You, you, you need to know who you are. You see, so I said to this non-Christian CEOs, I say, I pray, I really pray that this will not happen to you. They're lying in a hospital room with tubes running all over your body in your dying days with all your multi-billions stashed away. You just wonder, suddenly you get a wake-up call. My goodness, what is life? What's the meaning? Who am I, by the way? My goodness, I work myself to death with all my multi-billions. Okay, boom, I'm going to die just like that. And you know what? Worse still, Pastor Ben, you get to enjoy all my multi-billions. How can so unfair one? Why not? I say, I hope this will not happen to you, that you only get a wake-up call and a deathbed, which would be so, so sad, isn't it? So I help them, a journey with them to discover who they are, which is so important for you and I like this. Isn't it? And so friends, run the race, finish well, by the grace of God, isn't it? but also keeping faith. And so friends, how can we keep faith strong and passionate all the way to the end? See, sometimes as I say, I see older people, they just amble into church on Sunday, amble out every week, that's, that's all they do, which I think, so sad, I think. Right? Because why? All of us older people, okay, there's so much in us, isn't it? Why? At least four great things that God has given to us. There is all the gifts that God has given and honed over the years. Secondly, there's all the experience. Thirdly, friends, the huge knowledge of Scripture. Fourthly, the wisdom, insights, understanding, maturity God has. These are great things, isn't it? Hello, are you there? That we should share in part with other people. Yes, we may handle responsibility, right, to younger ones who run, but run with them. Hello, are you there? Run with them. So important. But friends, to run with them, we've got to keep fit, lah. Oh, quiet, lah. Yeah, hey, so exercise lah. Hello, are you there? Because how to run with them if you're one mile behind, how to cheer them? Young people, am I right or no? Yeah, but seriously, it's very important because this body of ours belongs to God. We're supposed to steward this body well. Is it? 
So we were passionate and run all the way to the end. Friends, you know, time passes by very fast. You know, I'm ancient to about 70 years old. Okay? Young people don't laugh at us. Don't laugh at me. It will come sooner than you realize. <laughs> In a twinkling of an eye, you will join the company of elect. Really, you know, I'm sure don't laugh at us. All right now. See, for example, just three weeks ago, I performed a funeral of this lady who passed with 99 years old. All right? 99 years old. Her children, all very accomplished. Grandchildren, great-grandchildren, all very accomplished. But friends, I thought to myself, just flick like that, 99 years over. From our perspective, just over like that. And so friends, young people, time passes very fast. Maximize your time your life. So go for church camp. <laughs> Jared pays me to tell you that. <laughs> and so, friends, you and I, are going to really max out our life. So important. So, how do you keep faith strong and passion high all the way to the end? I pray to God. If God allows me to be in the 80s or the 90s, I pray. The older I get, I pray my God says my faith will be passionate and strong in every way. So, what are they? Quickly, I know my, I've really gone way, way past overtime. Pastor Ben, so sorry about that, okay? We're in way, way past penalty time, okay, for all of us. How many of you, okay, all right, uh, you play football, penalty time. How many of you support Manchester United? Can I see your hands? Okay, a few hands. God bless you. All the other clubs encourage you, you're all supporting wrong clubs. You and I support the right club. <laughs> all right. <laughs> and so, how do we do that? Three W's and I end off very quickly. What are the three W's you and I did to God? First W, friends, worship the center of our life. Keep God at the center. Because if you worship centers of life, it means God is the center. If God is the center, you see everything correctly. If God is not the center, you see everything wrongly. Amen. That's what it is for all of us. You see everything in a very blur way. All right? And that's what happens to King David. All right? Man after God's own heart, loved by God like crazy, in spite of the wrong things he did. That's the kind of God we have. A God of a second chance. And all God's people say, we may mess up our life. God accepts us when we repent and confess. And say, in the many things David could ask, there's one thing and one thing only David asked. Okay, Psalm 27 verse 4, come together. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. The one, and the one thing he asked among the thousands of things he could ask from God, worship Him in the beauty of holiness. Keep me God at the center. Hello, are you there? When you keep God at the center, you, you and I see everything correctly. And that's why this great man of God, by the Archbishop William Temple, he defines worship like this, okay? Worship is submission of all our nature to God, the quickening of conscience by His holiness, the nourishment of mind with His truth, the purifying imagination by His beauty, the opening of heart to His love, the surrender of will to His purpose, all this get up adoration, the most selfless emotion which our nature is capable of. It's amazing, isn't it? So rich at the heart of it, when you're caught up with true worship, because why? True worship satisfies. True worship gives full contentment. True worship gives satisfaction. You're rested when you're in the presence of God in worship. Amen. So with all the agitations around here in this country, with all the drama, okay, right now, this last few days, better than Hollywood, Bollywood can produce for all of us. That's why living in Malaysia is so exciting. It's never a dull moment for all of us, friends. When you're caught in worship, you know God is in the center. No worries. Amen? No worries. God is in charge. You just watch it. See what is going to happen. Those who cheat and lie will meet the just dessert at the end. Amen? Second W for us is the whole area of the word to feed and to guide us, which is this book. 
this book to feed and guide. This is the most incredible, most important book in the whole world, friends. Get hold, get hold of it, get into the Word day by day, friends. You will never go wrong. I will never go wrong. That's the reality, all right, uh, for all of us in this regard. Now, the context here is Luke chapter 10. It is when Jesus visited the, fam the family he really loved and favored, which is that of Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, okay? So when he came knocking, okay, and Martha is always like, okay, all Malaysian ladies, she whipped up the best meal for Jesus, so she cooked asam laksa la, cha kuei tiao la, bakute. Sorry, bakute now la, because it's not hard, not halal, okay, not halal. Cook up chikute, everything for Jesus. You know what happens? Like a typical Malaysian, Martha got upset. Why? Because her sister Mary never come to help her at all. It's a, what a terrible lousy sister. She stormed the presence. She complained to Jesus like crazy. What did Jesus say? Luke ten forty two. Come, let's read together. But only one thing is needed. Mary chosen what is better. You know, taken away from her. Friends, it's the second one thing you notice. What has Mary chosen? Sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to Jesus. And you and I need to do that. Okay? Taking God's word. Leave it out word. You and I will not go wrong. Amen? Third and final W for us, witness of fire to inspire us. Sharing Jesus, bearing witness with Jesus, friends. That's the most important thing for all of us in our life. See, knowing Jesus is so good, how can we not share, isn't it? It's just sharing, that's all, isn't it? And so important, isn't it? Because if we don't share, we are really, you know, friends, not a good person. A good friend will tell another good friend all the good things, amen? And the best thing of all is we know Jesus. That's why I'm so passionate, coming from a Buddhist background, to tell Jesus anywhere, everywhere, all over the world, really, friends. Because once you know Jesus, your heart is satisfied, contented. You're not agitated. It's nothing to do with your wealth, your success. nothing to do with that. You know that you know. There's restedness, quietness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Amen. And that's why, friends, you know, this man healed by Jesus on the Sabbath day. All right? And the Pharisees and the Sadducees were really upset that Jesus healed on the Sabbath day. Okay? And stormed into the presence of this man. Okay? And confronted him. And John 9, 25. Come, let's read that final verse of Scripture. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. Listen, one thing I know, the final one thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. See, this man healed by Jesus. You think he will keep quiet? He will tell everybody in Surambang, the whole Malaysia, the whole world, isn't it, about what has happened to his life. It is like this, friends, when we come to know Christ, the light comes on, isn't it? Really, amazing light comes on. And knowing Jesus is so good, you and I cannot keep quiet. I just want to share. It is not shuffling on people's throat. We don't shuffle. We just share, that's all. And invite the person to consider. That's all there is, isn't it? And that's what we are doing, really, isn't it? Okay, let me close with this. I was in Singapore for a meeting. Next morning, check out from the hotel. Within a minute, a taxi came by. Okay, hopped into the taxi. I told the taxi driver, could you please take me to Changi Airport? Yes, sir. All right. And what happens is that uh, I said to him, what's your name? He said, no, Hisham. For the first time, I met a Malay taxi driver, Malay Muslim taxi driver. And since then, I've met a few more. Okay, I said, no, Hisham, thank you so much for taking me to Changi Airport. My name is Daniel Ho. I'm a pastor from Malaysia. You are very special. Out of 7 billion people, God take a pass, sit in your taxi. He said, really? I said, God has sent me to let you know you are special and he loves you, remembers you. You know what? The taxi driver said, oh, mokung cha, mokung cha. Of course, he didn't speak Hokkien. <laughs> okay, he spoke in English. My goodness, my hair is standing on ends. This is unbelievable. Without me saying any further, he volunteered all this information to me. He says, sir, you know what? I'm married. My wife is blind. 
and she's got diabetes. So that three times a week, I need to take her to hospital for dialysis treatment. That's why I work as a taxi driver, because it gives him flexibility of time. He went on. Sir, I've got a nine-year-old son. On and off, my son will call me. Dad, can you please come home? Because I'm very lonely. Now, you can't blame the son because the mom is blind. Couldn't I help in any way whatsoever? I hide up in an apartment. A few times that he will call the dad, and the father said, that's when it breaks my heart, having to tell my son, son, dad cannot come home. Dad has to work. You have to wait until dad finishes the shift in the evening because dad has to bring in the money to support us as a family. He said, that's when it breaks my heart. And then he went on. He said, so you know what? The heartaches and the pains I'm going through in life is to pay for the sins of my past. What do you mean? See, when I was a teenager, sir, I used to be a drug addict. And therefore, I was involved in crime. All kinds of terrible things to support my drug habit. And as a result, sir, I was in and out of Singapore prison several times. I believe today, the heartache and pain I'm going through is to pay for the sins of my past. I said to him, no, Hisham, sometimes we may make mistakes in our life. But you know what? God has sent me specially for you. Really, specially for you. Because you know, your heartache and pain. And God has sent a pastor to let you know, no, Hisham, there is help, there is hope, and there's a future. I shared with him Jesus all the way to the airport. And I said, no, Hisham, would you like to, to pray, to trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior? I like to pray. He said, okay. He was driving. He said, okay. I said, that's great, no, Hisham. I want to pray for you now because I'm in a rush for time. The moment we arrive, I pay a taxi fare, I dash in to catch my flight so I don't miss my flight. So I want to pray for Noisham. Is it okay? He said, can. Noisham, can you pray and drive at the same time? He said, can. Oh, I thought clever Singaporeans can all multitask. Right? <laughs> clever, clever. Okay, so I explained how to trust in Jesus. Four steps involved. Acknowledge you're a sinner. We are all done wrong. We are all sinners. Amen. Secondly, Believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin, the one who is without sin. The sinless son of God died on the cross, your sin, mine, his sin, everybody's sin. Thirdly, ask him to forgive us. Ask him to forgive us for our sins. Fourthly, invite him to our life as Lord and Savior. Very simple step of faith in prayer. That's all. You become a child of God, isn't it? I said, is it clear? He said, yes. I want to pray for you now, can? He said, can. I said, one more thing. No, he's very one more thing. As you drive and pray, for goodness sake, keep your eyes open, keep your eyes open. <laughs> Others will be dead and I'll be dead, okay? <laughs> Let him the prayer. Say it after me aloud clearly in English because Singaporeans all speak good English. Clearly all the way. Moment arrived, I paid in a taxi fare. Before I could dash in, he held me back. And he said this to me, Sir, I've never met a passenger like you in my whole life. Friends, can I say, there are people, even a lot of people, who look very good on the outside smooth and suave and sophisticated. You don't know what is on the inside. And friends, can I say, there are many who are hurting on the inside. Many who are hurting. Friends, you and I got the greatest of all news, the good news of Jesus Christ that can bring healing and wholeness, that can bring reconciliation, restoration in broken relationships, in broken lives, in broken whatever, and put them back on track to live out in the joy of the Lord. That's our God. That's our Lord. Amen. Come, let us pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to extend an invitation very quickly. I know time has really moved on. 
right? With heads bowed and eyes closed. Let me extend this invitation. Today you are here. I believe not just because invitation of friend, relative, or you just walked in as it were by accident. You are here because God wants you to know He loves you. He loves you. You are special. You are precious to Him. And there's a kind of God who sent His Son Jesus Christ to this world to die for our sins. The sinless Son of God. We should go to the cross, but He went on our behalf, friends. That's the kind of love He offers every one of us. And so, my friend, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you've never taken a step of faith to trust in Christ, my friends, make today the greatest of all days, really. Make today count forever and ever. It's amazing, friends, and I will show you. Knowing Jesus is so good. Would you? God will never force His way in. He's a perfect gentleman, even though He made us. He just said, would you allow me to come in? And when we do, so friends, I want to assure you, you're in for the ride of your life. Know that there are no problems and challenges. You know He is there for you, with you. His grace will be sufficient for you. Really, my friend. So we hit spot and eyes closed, never done so. At a count of three afterwards, uh, if you'd like to raise up your hand high so I can see your hand, I want to pray for you. It's okay. If you'd like to, at a count of three, wherever seated, okay, or even standing, all right, raise up your hand, I want to pray for you. It's okay. Ready? One, two, and three. Is there anyone? Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Right at the back. Yes. Another one. Another one. Yes. Yes. Several hands. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yes. Another one here. Yes. Over that side as well. Anybody else? God is here, my friend. This is a precious moment. The almighty God of the universe is here. Is there anyone else in the pray for you? Well, those who put up their hands, can you say after me this prayer? And church, will you all join you to encourage these people, okay? So everyone say after me aloud together, Lord Jesus Christ, Lord Jesus I thank Christ. and I praise you, thank you thank for your love for me. Love for Lord, me. Jesus, Lord Jesus, I want to say, want to say that I'm a sinner. I'm I believe you died on a cross for my sins. Please forgive me of my sins. Come right now into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. Take control of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit and your power. And give me your love, your peace, and your joy, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, for those who pray this prayer, seal it deep in the heart, Father. Pray, seal it deep and bring this new birth and new life to pass. That these precious ones will never be the same. Fill and empower them. Bring them to come here week after week to be disciple, built up well. So together we touch the world for Jesus Christ, Father, I pray. So bless all these precious ones, Father, I pray. In Jesus' mighty name, all you mighty people say, Amen. Why don't we stand and give, okay, a clap off to Jesus and the close in prayer. Heart to the heaven.